1: all right thank you guys for being here with me and uh, we are let me get this posted if you're watching this live or if you're seeing the video you're going to be uh, we're going to uh, have the art station up here and i have with me vuk Banovic, um Weirman artist new world interactive uh over in serbia are you in serbia right now yeah i'm in serbia and awesome. hey guys <laughs> great um okay so i want to start this out uh why don't you just give me kind of a lead up of like what is it that you do so as my title says i'm a lead environment artist
2: at new world interactive but also a world builder i also do a bit of level design and all sort of gameplay tweaks Mm -hmm. as we are a small studio you know we like each one of us is wearing like all sort of hats in terms of roles so mm-hmm. yeah I do a bit of everything like that's not even like a responsibility of an environment artist, but it's awesome because like you have a chance to work on a lot of stuff interesting stuff at the same time got it
1: and um, how long have you been doing it
2: uh, for New World Interactive I've been for the last, actually this month is like my fifth year, like five full years with New World Interactive and it was amazing and it still is. Mm -hmm. And in total, uh, I think 11 years.
1: Okay, awesome. Uh, How'd you get started? I'm seeing cars. Yeah,
2: (laughs) it's not actually how I started, that's like, at least five years after, I started pretty much by... Uh, I've I've been contacted by a guy who was doing an indie shooter back in 2011, I think. Uh, the name of the game is Recoil, and it was uh, built by Plastic Piranha Studio. And I pretty much lied <laughs> about everything they asked me. <laughs> So yeah, before that I was working as a generalist artist in a local studio here in Belgrade. And when I was in the interview, like they asked me a bunch of questions that were related to the prop art, environment art, and I literally answered to everything with a yes. And then comes the hard part where I had to pretty much Work and learn at the same time, like yeah. 24 hours a day for a year until I actually knew at least half of the stuff they asked me, you know, mm-hmm. but it it was great. Yeah. So that's did how they, I entered the games industry.
1: <laughs> did, did they ever realize that you lied to them?
2: Uh, luckily to me, they didn't. but They might realize now.
1: <laughs> now it's too late. Now they're investing. Now it's
2: too late. Maybe we can cut <laughs> cut off this part of the interview.
1: Fair enough. <laughs> so, um, what does a world builder do? And I ask most environment artists some a question along these lines because environment arts is one of the most dynamic areas in games, right? You know. Yeah. Character is character and, you know, you're either doing an elf or you're doing a, you know, a realistic um, character. But in environments, you've got different biomes, you've got different states of it. And then, you know, sometimes an environment artist is doing props. Um, So walk me through, uh, and I know you do a lot, but walk me through specifically what it means for world building
2: for you. For me personally, it comes like after all the content, our content is created. Mm-hmm. And like, and after the level designers have built everything and made it made it like stuck to stone regarding the level design and gameplay features, and then comes the world builder and makes all of that stuff look pretty,
3: mm-hmm.
2: but in a really, uh, really really close collaboration with level designers. Uh, so you don't do anything that can break the gameplay so there's like uh world builder can even do like stuff like doing like uh, a basic setup for lightning and then afterwards a lightning artist come in same goes for pretty much everything like doing something uh related to to Building a scene that mm-hmm. used to be just a gray box, but now after World Builder comes in, it becomes a beautiful scene.
1: Got it. So tell me about the industry in um, Serbia. And what I I've got a, my through line here is I'm I want to understand the job, and then I want to understand the job specifically, you know, outside of say you let's say North America, right? Because when we think about environment arts, no matter where people are in the world. Always in their mind is uh, U.S., Canada, some parts of Europe, but like North America is still the thing. But, you know, people in North America, we're re- you, the jobs are expanding outside of that. Um, so tell me about, uh, you know, the market there in Serbia where you are. Um, you know, are there jobs? Are people hiring? You know, how how, how this is such a niche job anyways how the heck did it even come about that you know you found an interest in doing this where you are does that make sense
2: yeah yeah for sure well currently in serbia there's like uh, there's like a bigger and bigger market for mm-hmm. video games like vfx and 3d in general and like in the last few years there's been some like major uh, publishing and developing studios from video game industry that uh, started their like opened their headquarters here in Belgrade. Some of them are like Ubisoft and you know uh, those kind of moves from the big companies generally change the overall atmosphere like in the industry in Serbia like Mm -hmm. related to video games. So currently it's it's not uh, as big, of course, as I don't know any part of the states or Canada, but it's getting bigger and bigger every day because you know there's more and more studios like Ubisoft coming to coming to Serbia, and they're doing a lot for our industry. And of course, on the top of that, there's a lot of local talent that have built their own businesses, mm-hmm. uh, like m- most notable. For me, at least, is Nordius. They they're really doing a great job, uh, like promoting video games uh, here in in Belgrade. But there's plenty of more like Trilateral. They've been recently bought by Epic Games. So a lot of big deals are happening here in in Serbia related to to video games. And there's a lot of jobs like for pretty much for all of the roles and like all of the experiences Mm. three
1: laterals there yeah online that's great i'm gonna uh go visit them sometime early this year oh really Um, yeah so maybe i'll go see you yeah we have to meet then yeah um so in the states we have a saying we say that there's not a uh there's no labor shortage in the states there's a talent shortage and we use the word talent i use it with quotes anyways because i don't believe in any genetic magic i just it's just a lot of hard work um is it the same where you are where it's a talent shortage as opposed to a labor shortage
2: yeah i think it's the same everywhere it's it's not related to the place but to the humans
1: (laughs) Mm. so so along those lines um from your perspective uh what do artists need to show to make themselves job candidates and um you know in that question is do we need to show huge massive environments like let's say this thing that um let me move this thing so i'm not seeing the screen um so your outskirts and sandstorm you know, like these are huge projects that um beginning students you know they can they can get lost trying to achieve stuff like this. Right. Yeah. Um, or is it creating props? And then, you know, at what level do we need to be thinking about to make that kind of work? So the question is, uh, and we, you know, it might be multi-part, but really um, what I want to know is what do artists from your perspective have to show um, to show that they have the talent quote unquote talent.
2: Yeah. It's a good question for me personally. When I like review uh, other people's portfolios, mm-hmm. the first thing I look for is uh, it might still sound stupid, but it's, it's how I do it. It's like, what's, what's the thing that they did that's different from all of the other portfolios? Like, is there at least one thing that's unique and like specific enough that I can say, okay. I mean, it's impossible to say I haven't seen this so far for not just for me, but for anybody, I think. Mm -hmm. But is there something like if 100 people did like a sofa, you know, is there something really unique and specific on that sofa? It doesn't have to be like some super unique design, but did they add some cute pattern or did they like... uh, really paid attention to like wear and tear or Mm -hmm. is there anything specific going on like if you can open for instance the uh, the day of infamy uh, radio Mm -hmm. yeah that one for instance like is there any detail in this scene that attracts you like I was like no there wasn't so I added like uh those post notes that like someone wrote wrote there and like left the left the crime scene or or whatever like is mm-hmm. there anything anything showing that they're uh, adding something unique to their to their assets you know mm-hmm. like a personal touch
1: i get that um why what does that tell you
2: you know, from my perspective, everyone can learn this, learn 3D. Everyone can like be a master if they put enough time into it. But if people are doing like uh, their work in a robotic kind of way, they're just gonna like follow the, the reference or the instruction or whatever was provided to them as a, as an input and they won't go and express themselves in any way, you know? And Mm. that starts to be important in, for instance, world building or anything related to environment art that's not prop art, you know? And that literally tells me that a person who can uh, tell a story by only building, like, a cup of coffee, you know, that tells me that he's going to be a great uh, storyteller in building environments, which I find to be the most important thing in environment art. Like, Mm -hmm. why is that chair there? Why is that table there? Who put it there? Like, you know, I get that you often have to um, add a lot of stuff to block, like uh, sites for all sorts of uh, gameplay reasons, but uh, there should be a, a background story be behind anything that's been placed inside of the level. And mm-hmm. I look the same way at the prop creation or or anything that's like a creative process, you know?
1: Yeah. And uh, this says it's non PBR, but that's because it was it was old, correct?
2: Yeah, this was built for a source engine, so Mm, source engine, it's not PBR, unfortunately.
1: Um, When you are developing materials um, for this, is there anything that you kind of focus on that helps you know that somebody really knows their stuff or not? You know, and as I'm looking at this, I'm looking at, you know, we use the word material distinction. Metals, metal, woods, wood, leathers, leather. And, you know, paper's paper, and and I can instantly sense it, right? Because leather sometimes can have too much specularity, so then it starts to look, you know, has that metal quality. And then leather and wood, because of the grain, they can be similar if people don't get their roughness right. Um, so what what do you look for when you're looking at materials, both yourselves and others, that tells you somebody knows what they're doing?
2: Uh, The first thing I start looking at is actually the models. Like how precise are the bevels? Mm -hmm. Because if you're uh, modeling, let's say, this radio, like a metal piece should have a different strength of bevel. So it reflects better, if you get what I mean?
3: Yeah.
2: And like that's the first and that's like the starting point for me. Like I first define uh, the actual model, like I plan in advance, like what type of material it's gonna be, mm-hmm. and then yeah. and then afterwards it's kind, kind of reads itself. It was difficult to do so without PBR and all the tools that we have today. But today there's like a plenty of stuff you can use to like check the PBR like of your materials. Mm-hmm. Got it. So the modeling is the first thing for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like modeling is like what's, what holds the material actually. So if you like add a a really smooth bevel to a metal surface that's supposed to look sharp, Mm -hmm. then even if you nail the material 100%, it's still going to look off.
1: Fair enough. That makes sense. Um, there's an exercise you do on your art station. I think it's this one and maybe it's the other one. Yeah. Um, modular kit, 353 pieces on a single texture set. Yeah. That sounds crazy. <laughs> uh, What's the value of doing this? Can you just give us some context? Because, um, you know, my audience and the people I speak to a lot are students and people that are beginning, so they might not you know, we always have this question of how optimized do I get, how and and whatnot. So just speak to me to, to why we would even do this at this level.
2: The first and like the only reason I started doing this was the optimization concern. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, you can really quickly end up having like, I don't know, 50 materials, unique materials on a building yeah. and actually then someone needs to get in and do the optimization pass and that's uh, that's a long process that could be avoided so if i limit my kits to a single material there's very little room for error and like the most beneficial thing doing this approach is that you can really build a lot of unique looking stuff mm-hmm. with only using a single material Plus, there's like a, a ton of tricks you can do in Unreal, like uh, blending or uh, forward shader or whatever, like uh, or even adding like the mask for different colors and stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, only with like one texture input, like actually three textures, um, albedo, normal map, and masks, mm-hmm. you can build a really uh, a great-looking scene at a really low cost, if that makes sense.
1: It does. And are you doing material work? You said you're doing work to, um, you know, for the masks to establish it. Is it is it one material or multiple materials?
2: It's one master material. Yeah. And that gets instant with pretty much just a color color over, over overlay. Sorry, Got color it. overlay, mm-hmm. and that's it. I think the, the be- better example is the the metal kit because on the wood kit I didn't use, uh, I didn't want to use anything additional, but on this one I added a a color mask. Got it. So, and this applies to all of the type of surfaces. Uh, uh-huh. Currently you can only see wood and, uh, and metal, but I also did uh, stone, plastic, and when you mix them all together and they don't have nec- they don't really necessarily have to be as like broken as they are right now. Like they don't have to, to look shaky. Like these guys are,
3: mm-hmm. you
2: can like build perfectly looking world worlds with, with a single material by using trims and trim textures, atlases and
1: stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah this is basically a trim sheet exercise right yeah yeah there you go one master material and then you got a few yeah just shake our instances yeah yeah so when um, so where's the future going in terms of environment art do you have any sense you know because we we of course have to teach the students to optimize um, but you know, one of the things that I kind of focus on with my students is before we talk optimization, you got to get somebody's attention, right? Um, But optimization is important. This is, you know, it's beautiful what you've been able to achieve, but where is the, where do you see all of this stuff going in the next five years? Are we still going to be optimizing like this? Are we going to be optimizing more, you know, because VR is 60 frames, you know, two eyes, it's actually 120 frames. So, where, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I think it depends of platform that the project is, is being built for mm-hmm. Like in movies industry there there's very very little uh, optimization. and in games it depends of a type of game. like uh, I don't think anything drastic is gonna change in the next two to three years maybe mm-hmm. but five to ten, uh like we're going to have a lot more processing power that's right. for sure and right. optimization shouldn't be as big of a uh struggle as it is right now uh-huh. i mean struggle i mean i would, like it's better to say a limitation <laughs> so it it really depends like what 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 your project is being built for uh-huh. if it's vr then it's still uh, a current generation of consoles, you know, when Mm -hmm. we get to the next gen and it's, it's always, there's always going to be like projects that are using like the previous, the current and the next gen techniques uh, in terms of the,
1: the optimization. Got it. And, being in Bulgaria, you might have a um, a different perspective. Uh, Serbia, sorry. I was just talking to um, Total Chaos. Um, no worries. And so be, uh, being in Serbia, your perspective on this I think might be interesting. Where do you see – and I don't know if this question will make sense. Where do you see thought leadership in this industry? You know, Because, again, if we come back to this where people are working um, – You know, everybody thinks North America, North America, is certainly the corporate head of a lot of this. But what about thought leadership? And I ask that because right, you know, there with you in Serbia is three lateral and they achieved stuff nobody else achieved.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a tricky, tricky question, really. Uh, I mean, it's. uh, I really don't know how to answer this question, Mm -hmm. but. um, you know, no one knows where the current talent is or what's the the next big thing is going to be. But every time some big thing happens in the industry, there's um, there's a lot of uh, you know everything is going towards that direction if you if that makes sense.. Sure. So so it's it's a rather difficult question to answer. Mm-hmm. because I really, <laughs> you know, I'd say uh, it's going to be spread all over the world because, you know, there's a lot of uh, studios moving towards uh, remote opportunities. You know, there it's not necessary to be on-site anymore. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be spread all over the world, you know, like, and there's going to be... A lot of more tiny underdeveloped countries like contribute uh, contribute contribute contrib, contrib, sorry
1: mm-hmm. on,
2: yeah that contributing,
1: uh, contributing 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 yeah, yeah
2: to 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 the world you know uh-huh. yeah.
1: Yeah, I get it. So it's going to be more diffuse, you know, and yeah. and so it'll be more spread out, um, which we are seeing. And, you know, the industry is not just North America. It's, you know, it's, it's going a lot of places like Epic is based in North uh, in, um, I think, North Carolina. But, you know, they're buying companies everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you see some really important shift that we need to focus on in the future for for people who are looking for jobs? Um, and I ask that because, you know, we look at this uh, trim sheet um, in terms of the uh, the wood, and then in terms of the metal. These are like old techniques, right? These are like decade-old trim sheets. Are it's an it's an old optimization technique. Um, so it's easy for people to be like, hey, what's the next best thing? What's the next best thing? But then you come back and you look at this, and you're like, damn. I mean, Vu killed it with one draw call. So, <laughs> Thank you. what is it that people need to be focused on um, to help them position themselves?
2: Hmm.
1: That that's also
2: a tricky one.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> uh, the thing is, yeah, yeah, lots of tricky questions. <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah, it's it's very individual, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. It depends what uh, a person. Would like to do if it's uh, if it's prop art. I, I'd say uh, I'd use prop art now only for like uh, a super junior that really wants to get into the industry that way because I mm-hmm. think that's still the easiest way, you know. Mm-hmm. But if like the the aim is to do anything but not uh, prop art, like then. Um, uh, there's a lot of like uh, beneficial things about learning Houdini, like and all mm-hmm. the procedural stuff that's mm-hmm. going on lately and getting more and more trendy. Uh, I'd say uh, Houdini, I'm actually learning Houdini, that's why I, <laughs> that's why it first crossed my mind because mm-hmm. it's an absolutely beautiful software.
1: Isn't it? Uh, yeah, I love
2: it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm blown away, and I'm, I'm such a noob at it. But yeah, it takes time. So yeah, uh, Houdini is definitely something. I'm not sure if it's really Houdini, Houdini, but something in similar to Houdini is gonna be uh, like the next thing that everyone who wants to enter the industry should know, including mm. of course substance designer and painter. Like anything that's speeds up the the workflow and makes it a lot easier to like I don't know alter or fix or like you get what I mean
1: yeah you're, you're feeling it right like something else is coming
2: yeah something is, else is definitely coming and you know all of the workflows that pretty much most of the studios are working with currently are like uh, progressed and developed for clothes that were used 10 years ago, right? And, you know, there's Everything is currently focused on procedural stuff and right. it's definitely something that's that's going to be the future of the industry at least for like architectural pieces and you know, it's going to be difficult to to build a procedural prop that's as detailed as uh, someone would make it in, I don't know, ZBrush and stuff, but mm-hmm. you know, you can always scan, <laughs> but you need to clean up
1: the scan. So yeah. yeah, yeah, I can. I feel like, I mean, uh, substance. I was busy running my company and getting my head around, you know, just some changes in my life. And Substance Painter came out, and I didn't pay attention to it, and then it just like you know just took over it was it was everything you know i was focused on zbrush before and then there was a huge shift where painter became one of the biggest career movers used to be zbrush then it was substance painter then it was substance designer and then painter and then um back and forth but now i'm feeling like everybody's talking procedural games are open world um the the cycle for developing a game is quite intense i mean games are expensive to make very you know and there's so there's so much pressure there um how what kind of what does your guys's day look like like how much do you have to produce do you feel pressure to get stuff done cheap or and by cheap i mean quickly or or how's that work for you guys
2: uh it depends uh from day to day you know mm-hmm. it's not every day is the same yeah. but overall uh you know There's a if you want to be like successful in this industry, you first have to train your mind, uh, like to deal with uh, any kind of stress. I'm not saying that this is uh, the most extreme and the most stressful job someone could have, but there's definitely times where it gets stressful. So, uh, I think it's important to note that, uh, uh anyone who wants to enter this industry should like have something uh on the side like to to vent like it, it could be sports it could be whatever someone likes to do but uh, it's uh, it's definitely not uh you know you can't do this uh, 24/7 for 4 years and expect not to burn out you know yeah, totally. And I think it's important that people realize that uh, no matter how how much effort they put in, if they don't uh, do something for themselves, they're gonna like get into a burnout really quickly. So with that said, <laughs> I'll actually answer the question you asked me. Uh, it's for me personally that that's uh, uh, that's boxing. I do boxing regularly. Hmm. Uh, and, like, that's my went-off. And that's uh, that's something that actually uh, keeps all the stress from the work away, you know? So whatever I do during the day, uh, I'm perfectly, uh, like, uh, calm. And it gives me opportunity to in- enjoy my daily work, you know?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And how that day looks like, you asked me, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry, I went a bit off topic. So currently I work from home. I have a an office uh, that's, that's really close to my home. It's like 10 steps. And I don't commute, which is awesome. So, <coughs> sorry. Sorry, just a second, please. Yes, sir. okay I'm back <laughs> yeah. we can cut this part out.
3: sure
2: so uh, in terms of like what I do is like sorry what was the question again
1: I got what's lost. a look what's a day look like you know um, we can start there because you the big question is is you know are you pushed do you, do you have to deliver products fast are you feeling the pressure um, to produce work fast, like what's it like? And I, part of I'll, I'll give you some context here, because yeah, I find um, my, when my students first start in the industry, they some of them can be quite taken aback by, you know, both the people that they work with, some of them who are not necessarily the most polite people, and you know the pace of the work and the expectations, and and the and just the fact that they're they're failing. You know, which is, in my view, is part of the process because there's a large. They're putting large demands on people, and you do fail, but usually stu- companies are, are accepting of that, and they understand that this is a growth. And so, most of my students have a phase where they they have to adapt to this. Yeah, I so, get it. You know, that's what I'm asking is, is you know, have you experienced that, and do you feel that in your work? And you you kind of answered it. I mean, you box. So, um, yeah. That's uh, that's pretty intense.
2: I don't think like there's a person uh, that doesn't feel uh, that way at any kind of job. And uh, like the, as I said, the only way to deal with it is to be straight up with yourself and like, um, don't expect too much, but do as best as you can to deliver like, what's expected of you. And it's extremely important that the people who you work with are realistic in terms of goals Mm -hmm. and realistic in terms of like, what do we really need to achieve in order to like deliver a milestone or close the sprint or, or whatever. Right. And me as a lead personally, I really try to like, give enough work and, like, not to give too much work to anyone or too less work. You know, I try to keep that balanced and it's very individual from person to person. And, you know, if you see that someone is stuck, you just help him out and, like, make sure that, you know, your stress is your stress and I don't think that it should be transferred to anyone else, especially not the, the juniors, because that would leave a really bad mark to to their work and to their productivity, if that mm-hmm. makes sense.
1: It does, yeah. So have you always boxed? What got you into that?
2: Uh, I used to do karate mm-hmm. for about 11 years but there wasn't like um, physical contact in it so you basically it's a it's a great spiritual um, spiritual um, thing but it's uh, it's not really at the end of the day there's no use of it if if that makes sense but mm-hmm. in boxing you have sparrings you have um, a different structure of uh, of training so I don't know. I switched from karate to boxing for for that reason, and I've been doing it for the last three or four years.
1: Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Um, So who's going to win, Bruce Lee or Muhammad Ali? (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah. We don't know. It's a tough one. Yeah, it's a tough one. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's
2: as tough as your previous question
1: <laughs> <laughs> now you <make> it <laughs> all right so the um, if you guys have questions go ahead and start putting them in chat so I can get those over to Luke and what I want to do now is um, start wrapping this up uh, with a couple of questions about you know how do you stay updated you said you're learning right now uh, Houdini and you know in my experience, this industry shifts roughly about every five years. You have to you have to alter like ten years ago, digital sculpting changed everything. Five years ago, substance and that tool set. We're due for another change right about now. Houdinis, we're experimenting and the new Houdini, I mean, where they actually have that that system where it, you can drop something on a table and it'll arrange it for you, you know. And yeah. Like little things like that. Wow. Um, but um, how do you stay updated on all this? Uh,
2: YouTube, like YouTube is my, (laughs) yeah, fair
1: enough, fair enough,
2: (laughs) like the best thing ever. Mm -hmm. Like, but yeah, there's like uh, a ton of Discord channels, yeah, and like a ton of people that like post all sorts of links that are extremely interesting and Mm -hmm. that can like literally, uh, blow you away. So, yeah, there's like, um, Events like it's important to go to the events like any event that's related to what you do if you can make it go there because It's extremely beneficial even if you don't hear anything of your interest there, which is like almost impossible you'll still like uh, Meet with other people that Do the same stuff that you do and that you like doing and you can like learn a ton of tricks
1: what if i'm super shy
2: then youtube Fair enough. Fair enough. no but seriously youtube has so much content right now like uh if i if there was youtube like 12 13 years ago before i started uh-huh. i would honestly
1: like not go to uni mm. <laughs> Totally. I mean, that's it actually fits into what I do in my school, because I think so much information is out there for free. I mean, I feel like people are overeducated, but but they're underworked.
3: Yeah. And
1: so our school is more of what they would call a practice. Um, I forget what they call it, but we're we're basically a practice school um, because that's the part that people need help with because you can go to YouTube yeah. and learn anything.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, please don't get me wrong. I'm not saying no. Uh, I agree with not, you. not to go to uni. Mm-hmm. There's there's so many important stuff that you can't learn from YouTube, and yeah. you can only learn at uni or any kind of school. And but I mean, YouTube is a great great resource for for learning stuff.
1: Makes sense. Um, uh... Bjornar, hope I'm saying that right, how do you, is asking, how do you use Houdini for game production? I don't think he's seen the game dev kit uh, that they have. Um, his general impression is for simulation for VFX.
2: Yeah, uh, I wouldn't know how to answer that because I haven't gone through any of uh, actual development production cycle with Houdini yet. Mm-hmm. I'm just learning it like for the last three months and I'm Really, a super new newbie, but yeah, you know, I can't say from a personal experience because I haven't done it on any of my games yet.
1: Have you experimented with the the auto topology, the retopology stuff?
2: No, not yet.
1: Not okay, yet. good. I'm excited to hear what you say about that. I we've been doing that in class, and uh, Martin Clicky, who's over at CD Projekt Red, he's the one who kind of turned us on to it. That and one of my students. Um, uh, and yeah, it's unreal. I mean, yeah. auto topology, auto UVs, and their UVs are uh, they're amazing. They're better yeah. than um, ZBrush's UV Master by a long shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty cool. Um. All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. Is there um anything you wanted to say? Anything that you've got? Like, if you got any gum roads or anything that you've got putting that you're putting on?
2: Uh, except saying like just keep on rocking nothing else like just do what you like and what makes you smile at the end of the day it's like it's like the best thing ever and this industry is really really awesome
1: Mm, that's awesome actually we got two more questions that just you guys got in under the wire um and and Antonis is asking how and actually I meant to ask this question, how important is optimization for portfolio pieces? So when you're looking at artists to hire, are you contemplating optimization?
2: Extremely important mm-hmm. from my perspective. Like yeah. I got to see that virus. I got to see like pretty much everything related to optimization and you got to show that. And I really think it's highly, highly important cause you know, you can do, Insanely beautiful stuff and have 67 draw calls and 3 million trees on it But yeah, you can't use it, you know, Mm -hmm. so it's important to show Like to do more
1: with less That's the nature of games. Yeah Um, Do you practice do you study do your own find? do you do your own work at home?
2: Yeah, I do I mean I I own a small outsourcing studios here in Belgrade.
1: Ah, awesome. So,
2: Beside working for New World Interactive, I have a lot of other stuff on my plate, which is actually something that, like, uh, that became a reality from playing at home, honestly. Like, Mm -hmm. before, when I finished with my work, with my day job, I was usually Working on some personal stuff and I said to myself. Hey Let's do that with like Other people who like doing the same Mm -hmm. and you know, we became a team somehow So yeah It's crazy.
1: That's awesome Foukman, thank you so much. I appreciate it.
2: Thank you Thank you. It was an honor really.
1: Uh, Honours mine. Uh, You know, it's great to learn from people like you that are are in here and doing this. And, uh, you know, you've got over a decade of experience, so it's like it's great that you can share that with your with our students here.
2: Thank you. Thank you. And if you are coming to Serbia, please. Absolutely. uh, Hit me up. I'd be happy to to meet you here.
1: Yeah, I look forward to that. I'm going to maybe do the total chaos thing, which is in I think Bulgaria, but I, if I understand correctly, I'm going to be locked in there. So I'll have to, I was going to try to do the three, three lateral thing at the same time. Yeah. But yeah, that anyways, would if be I'm there, I'll let you know. Amazing. All right, my friend, take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Have a great day. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks everybody. See you Lorraine. See you Peter and Nick all right bye bye guys bye bye
0: ciao all right thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this and i want to ask just two things of you number one make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on apple uh, stitcher spotify really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now. So I look forward to hearing from you soon.